0: Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick and John Crabtree.
1: Broken up. Picked off. This game is over. I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you won't get. Don't you ever talk about me. L-O-B. He wants to get in a fight. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight.
0: They catch up! Stokely! Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable!
2: Alright, so you're very welcome along to a very special Draft Day edition of the NFL Podcast here on Off the Ball. Joining us as ever, Keen Fahey from Football Guys and Pre-Snap Reads and uh, Mick McCarthy. How are you doing? Happy Draft Day. This is your last ever NFL podcast, Mick. Are we, are, is there, are we not telling people that? Is that a secret? My last ever... NFL off, off the ball. ball. <laughs> NFL podcast. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, that, oh, you're breaking, breaking news there, <laughs> no, are No, I'm just saying. Okay, right. Well,
0: yeah, I think we are breaking a bit of news. Or right.
2: We'll, dis- we'll draw a discreet veil over it until uh, some further time. I didn't stay up to watch the draft, but I did wake up in the middle of the night and check my phone, and it was melting with the stuff that was going on. Keen, I know you saw the whole thing, so the big stories from day one, as far as I can make out... The Cleveland Browns, full marks, Miles Jack, Jesus Christ, what a what a terrible situation he finds himself in. And Laramie Tunsell, which might be the most amazing story that I've ever heard in like I don't know, in it's certainly in the short space of time with which Laramie Tunsil went from being just another guy in the draft to one of the most famous athletes on the planet. What happened?
1: I think I'll walk you through from the... I think the easiest way to do it is to go chronologically. Tunsil is considered a generational talent, a guy who gets compared to Jonathan Ogden, a guy who's going to come in, start at left tackle, stay at left tackle for 15 years and be great. And we know we said that about Greg Robinson a few years ago, but this is kind of different because Robinson was just a great athlete. Tunsil is considered a superstar player. If he was a quarterback, he'd be Andrew Luck, basically. And... The big concerns with Tunsil were he has off-field issues. Him and Robert Englebyche, who was a, a teammate of him at Ole Miss, the both of them were uh, flagged for drugs, flagged for getting arrested for. Actually, I don't think Tunsil ever got arrested, but he had a lot of issues like in in home with his fo- fighting with his father and stuff like that. Basically, the general stuff you kind of hear. So that's normal. That's all pretty normal. Then uh, five minutes before the draft started last night, on Tunsil's Twitter, uh, there is a, a video comes up where he's wearing a face mask with a bong attached to it. And for 30 seconds, he's there smoking, getting high. And it it, basically, that that sounds ridiculous. It sounds like it can't be true. And this becomes public. So he should go to the Baltimore Ravens at six. But the Ravens take him off their board and go with Ronnie Stanley. And the big story for the first two hours of the draft is Tunsil falling, 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 falling to a point in the draft where no one ever thought he would still be available. And he goes to the Dolphins at pick 13 or 14. I think it was 14.
2: Yeah. And then the uh, Instagram account of Tunsil posts an exchange between himself and one of the athletic directors at Ole Miss where he's like, yo, got a problem, call me back. And it's like, I need some money for my rent. Like, no problems, talk to whoever. And then there's another one, my mom needs medical expenses paid or something. And, uh, And so, obviously, immediately after you get drafted, it's like the Oscars, you get wheeled out in front of the press. So he's there on stage answering questions. And the questions are, did Ole Miss give you money to play football? He's like, oh, no. Did Ole Miss give you money to play football? Yes. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> At which point a woman comes out and says he's got no more, nothing more to say and pulls him away. Uh, he gets a briefing and then I think he might come back out afterwards and, and does some other stuff.
1: Well, I think I don't really care about that because that's got nothing to do with him moving forward. That only really matters if you care about college football because it's Ole Miss who so are going to get in trouble for that. And
2: I'm kind like, of delighted about that, to be honest. But. Yeah.
1: So am I. And like, it's not, what are they going to do? Suspend him for a bowl game, but he's never going to be there to play. And in. he's ineligible now anyway. But he, he was also on stage with Deion Sanders afterwards. And he asked him if it was his stepfather, because he's had issues with his stepfather. And Tunstall, like I think we generally care too much about how, how guys handle interviews. Well, at this time of the year, it's stuff that gets analyzed a lot. And Tunstall was asked on stage, uh, was it his father? He was asked, who who was he, who did he want to blame? And he seemed pretty poised. He, he seemed pretty smart about it. He just said... I'm not going to accuse anyone. I'm not going to blame anyone. It was my fault. I made, I've made mistakes. I've owned up to them, and let's just move forward with the Dolphins. So he's obviously handled handled it well enough in interviews the whole way through. Because this isn't unknown. It's just it's like with the Ray Rice thing. Everyone knew about it, but then once the video comes out, it's a bit more shocking, and it's a bit harder to, to push under PR. Right. Let's, right. let's just be clear. I'm not comparing what Ray Rice did. To <laughs>
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask though if you, like it seems to me that the Dolphins are the big winners here? They tried down in the draft and end up probably getting the best player in the draft by by all accounts like if the Ravens wanted him and that's who was on their board and that's who they were going for and he was lucky to fall to them why did they let him go over this like I mean it it
2: seems like it's a very conservative franchise move isn't it? I guess it happened immediately It it, like I don't know what the the, had picks started by the time did did the Tunstall video become public just as Baltimore were on the clock?
1: No, it was literally, this is, this is a bit sad, a bit pathetic for me, but it was literally zero zero fifty three 53 on the clock, I remember, because it was so shocking that it had just come just before <laughs> the the draft was starting at 1am. But okay. um, no, I, I think the Ravens, like we, we can say that the Ravens made a dumb mistake, but we, we saw it last year, Lyle Collins went from being a top 15 pick, top 20 pick, to being undrafted, because not because he was a suspect in a murder case, just because he knew someone that got murdered. So like, you never really know how the draft uh, is going to be evaluated and how these guys are going to react because they will value character a lot. And I actually think it's probably not even as much about what he did and much about character or him getting hacked. I think it's just a lot of PR right there because the, the video goes out and now suddenly you're the big story, even though I don't really think anyone's actually going to be that mad about this.
0: That's what I was going to say. Like, I actually have no problem with people drafting for character reasons. I mean, the Patriots have done it a lot. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, well, obviously, <laughs> the, uh, the, the one time they didn't go for it, it didn't really <laughs> work out well. For them. But there is lots of examples of, like, guys who've just let their teams down after they've drafted them. So it is actually an understandable policy. It just seems like this wasn't enough. Well, for and, you to change your mind on something, and
2: apparently it's from high school. Like there's there's a significant doubt about when this actually happened. I don't know.
0: Deadspin are Dead saying that this was available like for sale. That somebody was trying to hawk this video all week, and for some bizarrely in America, he must have been looking for a big price because it, it, no. nobody was buying. Yeah. But um, yeah, so obviously it was just this was this was out there to affect.
1: I do think the other element is we have to consider that Ronnie Stanley is a really good player and a really, really talented player and someone who could could start for the Ravens for the next 12 or 15 years as well. Yeah, so maybe it was borderline just, call anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, maybe it was just simply the Ravens said this is a safer option and we're still getting a great
2: player. Yeah, okay. Is there any possibility that San Diego also whiffed on him? They went for Joy Bosa at number three. He's a defensive end that's a lot of people have been raving about, but there was some debate whether or not Bosa, some people had him very top of their, their boards and other people were saying that actually maybe he's a seventh or eighth best player available in this draft.
1: Well, he might be the most polarizing player in the whole class. The Bosa's kind of fascinating. He kind of encapsulates what the draft is and how it's different in college to in the NFL. Because in college, Bosa was a great athlete, a dominant athlete, a guy who could just bully people. Like you, you see him, he's got two, three blockers on him at times and he's still moving forward going to the quarterback. But... He's 269 pounds, I think, and he's not very fast. So what that means is you, we want to either play him inside or outside. If you're playing outside, you need to be explosive and fast. This is the simplest way of putting it. If you're playing outside, you need to be explosive and fast. If you're playing inside, you need to be big and strong. And is kind of in the middle of both. So you're hoping, the Chargers are obviously hoping that that's not really a big concern, that his talent will, will matter more. But the problem is you, you see the Chargers will play a 3-4, and they've got three big heavy guys inside. And they've got two speed rushers, basically. Well, not speed rushers, but two guys who have to be linebackers and light and fast coming from the outside. So now you look at Bosa and you go, he's too small to play inside. He's not explosive enough to play outside. So you don't really know where he's going to play. And that's why no one thought he would go to San Diego.
2: Um, so we should probably talk about... Just before we well, end on, that, yeah. right? So like, it's funny and everything that this video appears and then Ole Miss are going to be ending up getting people fired over it. But the amount of money that it actually cost Laramie Tunsell could be as much as $13 million. The difference between being picked third, like Philip Rivers definitely needs somebody to protect him. They were bad at protecting Philip Rivers last year. Rivers is at that stage of his career where he can't really be on his ass as much as he has been. And it looked like he was perfect. But the difference between being picked third and 13th is mm. massive amount of money over a four-stroke, five-year period.
0: And you're saying it's, ex- it's definitely at least seven because it's, it's pretty much consensus that the Ravens were going to pick him and that would be the difference in... Six to thirteen.
1: Yeah, and that's the that's the kind of sad. We're obviously going to talk about Miles Shaq, but that's kind of the sad thing for Tunsil is I think he'd rather fall to the second round because that guarantees that he can't be kept there for a fifth year. So it means he's going to hit free agency in four years, and if he goes near free agency, if he plays like we expect him to play, he'll be getting.
2: Monstrous, monstrous model. Yeah, so he's on a, a cheap contract at the start. That that whole cheap contract thing, we should actually explore a little bit because there's there's what what the Browns have done is harvest up uh, a bunch of draft picks. I think they've got eleven picks over the next two days, and apparently, Ian Rappaport was saying that they're looking for between four and six more picks. So you can expect them to trade down again, and they're decent picks. They're not all rounds five, six, and seven. There's a lot of second and third and uh, and fourth rounds as well and I think the whole deal that they got for um, their second pick had it written down, for the second pick in the draft, they got three first-rounders, two seconds, and three-thirds, which is like...
1: It's two first-rounders, I believe.
2: An amazing haul. Okay. So
1: it, it is. I, what I love about this, though, is it's going to be all analytics, but this is what we all do in Madden. You, you get a top pick and you just keep trading down and stop things, and I, I just think it's brilliant that someone's actually finally gone and done it.
2: And it means that what they'll have is a bunch of very cheap players on their roster for the next four years, which means that if they do want to be active in free agency, they actually have cap space. And it means if any of them are any goods, they can then pay them for a second contract. But also, like you actually give yourself the opportunity to build a team and to build a franchise properly.
1: Yeah, but the, the other thing about that, even if you just look past the abstract of it, this, this class specifically isn't considered great. And that's kind of my favorite thing of what they've done is they've added picks next year and they traded down to get uh, a guy who's at the top, well, considered the top of his position, the first, first wide receiver off the board. So I think they've done all this without actually sacrificing uh, talent because normally when you trade down, you're, you're passing on a great quarterback or a great re- receiver or a great passer. And I don't think they've done that. So I, I'm usually impressed with what they've done. And when you've got Hugh Jackson, who's a really smart head coach, working with a front office who's going to do seemingly do everything they can to get him as many pieces as possible, <laughs> for once the the future looks bright in Cleveland, even though we've probably said that a couple of times in the past
0: I was going to say, the caveat here being that it's Cleveland uh, we should talk though about you know, the one and two picks I mean, we've been, you talked about the fact that it's probably not considered the most stellar of drafts, you know you look at last year and say Winston and Mariotta, I, I knew those names a lot more than I knew Goff and Wentz coming into this, for example. I I, I don't know what, what we should expect from them, one, but also, was this the year for the Rams and the Eagles to trade up, to sacrifice the rest of the draft just to get their guy? You know what I mean? You, like... You know, I suppose you always have to say, right, if this, is the, if this is the guy for us, we take it. But if this isn't the year, yeah, well, you like, show a bit of patience, don't you?
2: Yeah, well, maybe let's take them a separate, keen. Let's start with uh, the LA Rams and and we can wonder aloud if maybe they are doing this as a marketing stunt. Like, who knows?
1: Well, that's obviously playing into it. You could even see, well, you, you wouldn't have known, but last night... Uh, when, when the Rams went on the first uh, went on for the first pick in the clock, they used all 10 minutes even though they knew who they were picking two months ago. Uh, they did it because the NFL told them to because they want to prolong the draft so they can have advertising. So marketing obviously plays a big role in, when you've uh, moved into a new market like that. Um, I, I think it's very important to separate the two teams and the two quarterbacks because the Rams have made a move with a little bit of desperation. Goff isn't worth what they gave up in a vacuum, but... If Goff is going to be a part of Todd Gurley's offense with a good defense, he doesn't need to be great to justify this. He just needs to be good enough that they can win games in with a conservative game plan. Uh, it's probably not the greatest comparison because he's not as good as Russell Wilson. But think about what the Seahawks have been during the early stages of Russell Wilson's career, where the offense revolved around Marshawn Lynch and the defense just tried to build itself towards dominance. I think that's kind of what the Rams are going for. They've just paid a huge price to do it. Um before we get on, but
2: the one thing about them is that they have this, this regime has experience of getting the massive amount of picks. And so maybe you give them a bit of more leeway when you trade. Mm. Like this is basically just giving back the picks the that Griffin they got. From, picks, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a way. I know you've got to pay it forward. And those guys, some of them have turned out to be really good players. So like they, they've seen both sides of it. And I, I give them at least some marks for taking the risk.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it was time for them to do something because Jeff Fisher's been hanging on forever, and they have gone to a new market, so they need some optimism. I, eight, I don't, I don't hate again as usual the Jeff Fisher special. I don't hate that trade. I just don't think it was a great move. It's probably something they had to do, otherwise. They could have signed RG three and free agency. Like, actually, if you think about it this way, if they didn't get a quarterback in this draft, they're going to be going for Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's who's left. So,
0: <laughs> well, and what do we think of Goff? Is he what type? Of, what like if and and this is one of the reasons I was putting them together. It's like, what do we expect from these guys? We'll talk about Wentz, Wentz in a minute, but like, I mean, from Goff, like, are we we're looking at him playing this year? Obviously, are we? Is he going to be handing off to Gurley all the time? Is he? Is he? Just we haven't really we haven't done any podcasts in the build-up to this. I mean, so do we know that much about him?
1: Well, he's coming from a scheme where people say it's very, going to be very difficult for him to translate. He didn't play under centre. He didn't really turn and hand the ball off. He he caught the ball uh, in shotgun and just kind of got rid of it immediately. I'm not too concerned about all that. I think that's stuff you can learn relatively easily, relatively quickly. For me, my concerns with Goff are... He, he, he has these. If you've got a highlight reel of Goff, you look at him and you go, wow, he's an amazing quarterback. It's a bit like Jay Culler that way where he can do everything and whenever he wants. But on a snap-by-snap basis, he's going to throw the ball to the defense. He's going to throw some really poorly place passes. He's going to react poorly to pressure. So it's kind of the perfect fit for him because if you threw him in and asked him to carry an offense like Philip Rivers or someone like that where he's got to mitigate pressure in the pocket and then throw short and intermediate passes and constantly move the chains, he wouldn't be able to do it. But if Gurley's doing all that for you and you just need him to hit some big plays, hit five or six a game without turning the ball over, that's probably something he can do.
2: Okay, so Carson Wentz, what do you Uh, make of this pick?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm really struggling with Carson Wentz, to be honest, because it's amazing. If if I just say this to you, he's an FCS quarterback, so he played lower-level college players. He's never played against the athletes he's going to play against in the NFL. He was in college for four years, was was on the bench for two, and was injured for half of his most recent season. Uh, you kind of look at that and you go, okay, it might not have a huge amount to do with his talent, but it limits what you know about him. It also means he's old and he still has major flaws that need to be worked on. He can't move his feet, he doesn't really read through progressions, and he's not usually accurate to every level of the field. And the whole selling point of Wentz the whole way through was he's pro-ready. So basically that means... We don't really know what it means because people use it for different things, but basically what it means for Wentz is he played under center, he knows how to read defenses, and he knows how to read coverages, even though his offense is pretty simple as well. And the the idea is Wentz can come in and start right uh, right away. He's a big, strong quarterback, strong arm, tall, can run, and he he can throw the ball down the field. But the problem is the Eagles are drafting him, this pro-ready guy, who they're going to sell him being ready to play straight away, and they're going to sit him for a year or two. Yeah. So, last, like, this yeah. is my problem. I don't know how to talk about it because... Well, like, unless, unless they
2: trade Sam Bradford. So, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. By the time you listen to this, Sam Bradford could easily be playing for the Philadelphia Eagles or somebody else. And if, they, if it would make sense for them to try and get a second round pick or like... I don't know if Sam Bradford is worth the second-round pick. Reading on pre-snap reads, you think he's actually a very valuable quarterback and just has been in the wrong, maybe not very valuable, but certainly somebody who is above league average and would be an excellent uh, quarterback for a lot of teams.
1: Yeah, I do, but I also don't think there's going to be anyone to trade for him because the Eagles have consistently said that they're going to uh, keep him. He's obviously owed huge money and the Broncos got Paxton Lynch last night, which kind of takes the, the most likely team out of it.
0: Massive, um, massive money he's owed in, in this season, so it's probably unlikely anyone take him. But like the Wentz thing to me is just it, it's it's as you say, Keen. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Like you, you're talking about the second pick in the draft here. We're talking about taking a chance on a guy for various different reasons. It sounds he sounds like one of those guys you take a punt on at 15 or 16, and people kind of go, oh, that's a bit early for him. Like, just from, from his record, there, you're talking about the second pick in the draft that you traded up for. You yeah. didn't just even land there. So You've not actually just the given away pick. an awful lot to yeah. get there. This you know? year and yeah. next.
1: Actually, the one you, you mentioned at the start you, you knew about Mariotti, you knew about Winston, you didn't really know about these two guys. Yeah, and I think that's actually kind of important, even though it's not something you normally focus on, because what's happened this year, and there's a lot of people saying this, where the quarterbacks have been propped up, to the point that we, we kind of ignore any flaws they have and we just say, oh, they're going to improve, they're going to be great. Whereas last year, we had the two guys at the top of the draft, two guys who were great players, great prospects, who we knew for the last two years were going to be top prospects, and all we did was complain about them and say they're not that good. So like the thing that you, you'll see this here is, which is it's absolutely hilarious, really, is when, when you see the articles written about him, they're talking about how smart he is, and then they're using read option plays and scrambles to, the, to describe how good of a passer and how smart he is. And that makes no sense because he's not throwing the ball. like So the whole thing is just confusing.
2: Okay, so uh, not exactly a sterling draft yet from the Rams or the Eagles. But if they get a franchise quarterback out of either of those two in years to come, you'll go, meh, it didn't really matter what you gave up for it. The bizarre thing about this this time, isn't it, that we actually don't know and you know
0: anything can kind of happen if history has taught us anything. Like, Absolutely. like. Yeah. I, I,
2: the, Almost none of these are guaranteed successes, maybe until you get to the Dallas Cowboys picking a running back at number four. Uh, there's there's yeah. a real fear, generally, of teams taking a running back in the first round because you know it seems like you're giving up an awful lot when you consider what's available on the open market. But if Ezekiel Elliott is as good as people are saying, and Adrian Peterson is a name that I've heard mentioned quite a lot, then they've got this guy for cheap for five years.
1: The Peterson comparison doesn't really make any sense because um, not not because he's bad. I, I, let's try and be a bit more positive because we talk about all the negative guys. Elliot's a really good player, but he's um, he's a pass catcher, he's a blocker, and he's a runner. Like Peterson's just a runner, and he should be really valuable to the to the Cowboys. And you can understand the why they took him because behind that offensive line, like he could he could easily walk in next year and be the number one fantasy guy. Not obviously doesn't mean much, but that explains kind of the expectations we'll have for him. Yeah. Like If he doesn't get 1,600 yards next year rushing, people will be saying he had a bad year.
2: Yeah. Also, what it means for Tony Romo is that um, suddenly Tony Romo actually has somebody that he can hand the ball off to and get out of the way of everybody who's trying to break his clavicle for every second of every play.
1: But that's the other thing. They, they, even, even not even talking about handing the ball off to Elliot, he's going to be hugely valuable as a pass protector because they've got those five offensive linemen who can block anyone one-on-one. And then they've got Jason Witten who can block anyone as a tight end. And then they've got Elliott who's a running back who can block anyone in space. And that that may not sound exciting or may not sound important, but when your quarterback is 36 years of age and has a history of injuries, that's the kind of thing you want.
2: Yeah. Does this transform their team? Like it's, Last season, they, they were in a really false position. They weren't really the fourth worst team in football last year. They just had no quarterback for the whole season and they were completely dumb in not acquiring a backup of the requisite standard and that's on them but at the same time what it does mean is that they've crashed down to this position they're going to have a load of draft picks very high in the early rounds and suddenly you're thinking say, well there's no reason if Del Bryan comes back and is fully fit and if, if big if if Rommel plays the whole season and that offensive line stays as strong as it was it's an amazing team yeah well
1: that of that's why it's a bit of a luxury pick isn't it because they don't belong picking fourth overall. I thought that was one of the best rosters in the league last year and they, they have concerns now about the defensive line and stuff like that. But if everything goes as you expect, you think they'll be one of the best teams in the NFC, really.
2: Yeah, so some other stuff that was uh, really interesting. I like I like We haven't talked about the off-season and, and some of the work that's been done in free agency by teams, but Jacksonville have had a really interesting off-season. They've added a lot of expensive and it seems like good quality pieces. They've picked Jalen Ramsey, who apparently was the top of a lot of other people's draft boards. And quite probably should have gone to San Diego or Dallas and uh, everybody thinks now suddenly the Jaguars are this kind of up-and-coming team
1: well I think the Jaguars have been up-and-coming for a while they just can't really get the defense sorted out and you're hoping with Malik Jackson they signed Malik Jackson in free agency they gave him about a billion dollars I think they gave him the same contract Mick is getting in his new place (laughs) and um, Ramsey you kind of don't know where he's going to go but Ramsey, if any of you followed any of the Combine or watched any of the Combine, you'll know who Ramsey is because he basically turned up and was the best in everything. And he he's kind of just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. And that's why they normally you talk about a cornerback. When you draft a cornerback, you say you might have to move him to safety because he's not good enough to play cornerback. But with Ramsey, you're talking about will we play him at cornerback or will we play him at safety because he could be an all-pro at both. So he's getting compared to Charles Woodson. And that's the hope that he'll be there for 15, 16 years being a game-changing player. And if the Jaguars get that, they might not get that in year one. That's the only concern. He might take some time to develop. But if they get that this year, that will be huge for them making a step forward.
2: Yeah. The Ravens we've we've talked about picked Ronnie Stanley. Again, they're a team who really shouldn't have been picking sixth. Do they suddenly, now that they've got a bit more protection and we've got to presume that the ACL of Flacco is going to be okay from next year, they've got to I don't know. I don't know if Buck Allen is going to be uh, an every-down um, running back, but they've got a bit of depth at running back as well. Is is their offense? Is Ronnie Stanley a missing piece that's going to allow them to catapult back into playoff contention?
1: I don't think so. I think they're going to be in for a bit of a rebuild because of Flacco's injury, and because I think in general the roster is old. Like they've got Steve Smith, Mike Wallace as their receivers now, and Terrell Suggs is coming off injury, and Flacco himself is coming off injury. Justin Forsett's coming off injury. It, it, I think it's probably about time that they did. Like, Maybe they won't be picking top five and top ten again next year, but they'll probably be in the teens, I think.
2: Okay, all right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, the 49ers got DeForest Buckner, and uh, they also traded up to get back into the uh, first round a little bit later on with uh, another guard. Joshua Garnett. Yeah. So um, they were active. That was uh, the first thing to say about this. And all of um, the moves involving Chip Kelly and Trent Balker are getting... Um, well analyzed at this stage, I'm delighted they got the Forest Buckner. He's an absolute beast. He's a he's a giant, and suddenly it looks like there might be a, some internal pass rush when you're playing the San Francisco 49 Nineers, which let's face it, last season they had none of.
1: I, I think this is a great pick. I Buckner is a great player. He's um, he's actually it's it's similar to Eric Amstead from last year. Amstead played at the same college in Oregon, and he's a similar type of player. But Buckner is just kind of. He's Armstead one step more. He's just that much uh, more refined and that much bigger and that much more athletic. He's the kind of guy who's going to come in and just swallow space, but still being able to rush the passer. He's like Calais Campbell in Arizona. And if you've got. I, I didn't actually like the 49ers' second pick where they went up to get the guard. I thought they gave up too much for him. But if you've got Buckner and Armstead together on the offensive line, you're going to have two guys inside who can swallow four or five bodies on their own at once. And it's going to free up the guys on the outside and it's going to free up Navarro Bowman to to find the football. But I think the one, thing, the one takeaway I took from their first round and trading up for the guard is they seem to be taking the long-term view because yeah. they didn't force a quarterback. And when you take a guard and you take a defensive end, you're taking really important pieces, but you're not taking guys who you expect to have... Huge impact straight away.
2: The stuff that they gave up. This actually comes back to the conversation we were having a little bit earlier on about getting players who are going to be around for the long haul on those cheap contracts. So um, I, I don't know. I don't even have it written down exactly here what they gave up. They got a. They got the first and seventh of the, one four and six. Yeah. So and for that, for one four and six, they had to give up one. As so they got back one and seven of the Chiefs. Um, and it's it's their earliest fourth round pick and it's their earliest sixth round pick, which are obviously great picks because they're picking seventh. But they do now get Joshua Garnett for a fifth year. And you're thinking the cost of a guard, it's not that much. Maybe it's, well, it could be 10, 12 million. And do you value the the difference between those picks in financial terms? And, you know, it, you become obsessed with cap space. But just reading some of the stuff about how the war rooms are working, the, um, the Packers apparently had somebody whose job it was to go... If you sign this guy, you're going to have to get rid of this other guy from your roster. Are you happy with that? And that was kind of one of the key decision-making things. And apparently, the Broncos are crazy on managing their cap space and actually are very relaxed about letting some of their superstars go because they they can play that long game too.
1: I'm laughing at the two teams you use because they they seem like the two teams who who don't spend any money in free agency. Well, the Broncos do, but not this year. But the Packers never spend money in free agency, so I don't think they'll be too concerned about the cap. I don't, think the, I don't think that was a motivation for the 49ers because I don't think Balky or, or Chip Kelly will expect to be there in five years unless they do really well. Like Balky's been there for how long? Five years now? Six years maybe? Yeah. So I don't think you can really plan that far forward. That's what everyone was saying about Miles Jack. The GMs are passing on him so they can't give him the second contract when they're fired in five years.
2: Yeah. So we haven't talked about Miles Jack. Um, Miles Jack is this explosive talent who... Again, could have been one of the first two, three, four names off the board if the quarterbacks hadn't been taken. And on the morning of the draft, in an interview, I think he said, yeah, there's a possibility I might need to get microfracture surgery at some point. And microfracture surgery is where they they break, they they, uh, drill little holes in one part of your knee to make it bleed cartilage, new cartilage effectively. It's exactly what Jadavian Clowney had done and has not really been the same player since. But that's at some point in the future Possibly four or five years down the line And as a result of that, off the board Yeah well the
1: one thing that kind of cropped up yesterday Was that he shouldn't have said that But I don't think that matters Because all the teams knew this anyway Uh, People are focusing on him saying that And saying that's the problem, that's not the problem The problem is he he could have it in four years He could have it in two months He could have it in three years No one knows when it's going to happen The same thing happened to Jay last year The running back for the Dolphins And he fell as far as the sixth round but Ajay was only ever considered a third round running back, which is a bit different from a top five player in the whole draft who is playing a more valuable position. I think, although you'll probably have this, be listening to this after the second round, I think he'll probably be the first pick in the second round because he's just so much better than anyone else who's available. Actually, sorry, that's not true. He's so, he's so much better than anyone else who's available who's healthy because Jalen Smith is the Notre Dame linebacker who is in the same situation where he's got nerve damage in his knee and they don't know if his nerve is going to come back. And those two would have gone in the top five of this class, top six, top seven at least with the quarterbacks in this class because they're just phenomenal talents. Jack, if you are sitting around and you've got nothing to do someday, go to a website called draftbreakdown.com and just look for Miles Jack and watch him because... He's just unbelievable to watch. He played running back and linebacker, and he just exploded everyone around him. If you if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, you compare it to one of those pods that they had in those films, where they could just crash into things and everything just exploded around him. He's a phenomenal player.
0: And that's another win for Cleveland if they get him first. Yeah, if the first pick in the second round.
1: And and, and even if they don't get him, they can trade that pick away and get more value first.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, maybe people are interested in that I mean, there's a difference between um, is it Jalen Smith? Is that what that the, yeah. the Notre Dame linebacker Yeah Is it's that Jack has just Played football He's still He's actually currently As it stands Fit to play Ready to go right
1: They're kind of polar opposites Because uh, You don't know when Jalen Smith's going to play And you don't know How long Jack is going to play for him Yeah So you're kind of Picking between one or the other And cartilage I, I think the one Concern with Jack as well Is not so much That he'll have to have that surgery But he could have Other issues Like swelling in the joint And stuff While he's playing Through this issue Because that's That's the kind of Unfortunately I know a lot about That's the kind of stuff That happens when you've got limited cartilage in your knee.
2: Yeah. All right, who else were uh, your winners and losers from the, the first day of the draft?
1: Uh, I Actually, th- this is kind of weird because we've talked through the first 10 picks and I kind of hated all the first 10 picks, but 11 to 20, there are some phenomenal players gone there. You, obviously, Tunsil went to 13 to the Dolphins. He's, he fell for obvious reasons, but Hargreaves is probably the best cornerback in the draft. If Ramsey plays safety, he's probably second best, just slightly behind Ramsey if, if uh, Ramsey plays cornerback. Sheldon Rankins is like Geno you know, Atkins, gone to the Saints. He's going to just be disrupting everything in front of him. Carl Joseph is kind of like Earl Thomas, who's going to be a, a deep safety for the Raiders. He's a phenomenal player as well. He's just got an ACL tear. The only reason he didn't go in the top ten, uh, Corey Coleman, who the Browns got, he's just a lightning rod of. Uh, he's kind of like um, God. I'm not. I'm not really sure who to compare him to, but he, he basically just scores touchdowns. <laughs> That's all he does for a living is just score touchdowns. And then the 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 guy who stood out after that is Ryan Kelly, the centre to, uh, to the Indianapolis Colts. It's not hugely exciting, but he's a really talented, really good player for the Colts who they desperately needed.
2: Yeah, definitely. You kind of feel like it's uh, a huge year for the Colts, huge year for Andrew Luck, and he needs a bit of help. And if his centre's going to be good and stop people, again, beating the crap out of him the whole season, then that transforms their expectations for the year.
1: Yeah, well, do you, I'm not sure, this is kind of the the thing about the draft is you can get the best player but you don't know how much impact he's going to make straight away because he's still a center and he's still only one of five on the offensive line i think you're you're a kind of big impact guy straight away are the wide receivers who went in the 20s All
2: right, that's interesting who else uh, who else has had a good off season because we didn't have an opportunity really to talk to you about this So i mean, see we haven't mentioned the the cheating new england patriots who funny who did they pick in the first round Mick? i i missed it i missed the name that that was who did they pick It was 31 picks in the first round
0: Jared, because of Abuse of power.
1: I picked a new equipment manager.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we won't go back into this, will we? I actually don't have the energy. It's boring. <laughs> this stage. Let's just take the four games and forget about it. Yeah, so Jimmy, They'll still win two
2: of them and it'll be fine. Jimmy Gros- They've well, got three home games in a row. Like, that's I think what. We should, um, we should talk
1: about what they did with the Cardinals, though. Which? They traded away Chandler Jones.
2: Oh, yeah. Good, good call. So Chandler Jones... Who, you know, had that incident where he was found naked outside a police station? Was he buck naked?
1: <laughs> he wasn't even found. He went in and went in himself. <laughs> so but uh, the story behind that is he was using synthetic marijuana and because it's not uh, against the NFL's rules. But obviously, if it's synthetic, you don't really know what you're getting inside of. But uh, anyway, if, looking past that, if you look at the actual football elements, Chandler Jones went to the, to the Cardinals for a second round pick and they took Robert Candice in the first round. And Kimbicci is a guy who could have gone top 15, top 16, but he's another one with character issues like Tunsil. So they, they've they kind of, as a team that's built to win now, to, built to compete for the Super Bowl right now, they've added two major, major talents who could have huge impacts on swinging the NFC West for them.
2: Are they both linebackers?
1: Uh, Kimbicci is a defensive uh, tackle and Chandler Jones is a defensive end.
2: Okay, so...
1: So they have two of them on the field together.
2: They're both pass rushers effectively? They both are... Yeah,
1: are, yeah. definitely, yeah. Well, Kimbleyche is a guy who. Uh, what's the best way to like? Um, like with the Broncos last year, where the Broncos had these guys like Malik Jackson and Sylvester Williams who were just slicing through the middle of every offensive line. Kimbleyche is one of them, okay. one of those freaks who's just able to just throw people around and fly to the quarterback.
0: Interesting that the Patriots decided to break up or at least maybe start to break up that defense considering I think as the year went on last year, I think their offense had more and more problems and they probably weren't good enough to go any further than they did last year, but their defense kept them in games. They were phenomenal. It was their best defense since the really early Belichick years. And obviously Jared Mayo, who probably wasn't the same player as he was a couple of years ago, is retired, but he was you know, a leader on that defense. He was the captain. He was the play caller. And you've got rid of Jones, who's your main pass rusher. It just starts to break things up a little bit, you know.
1: And Dominique Easley as well, who's kind of a, a warning sign for us, talking about these guys with knee injuries, because yeah. he was the was he the last pick in the first round a few years ago. Yeah, he, had sorry, to- he,
0: he really had, He he wasn't having much of an impact though. Like yeah, you know, but he was obviously pro- talent. Yeah.
1: The hope was he would develop into a guy who could be a pass rusher, sure, but he had two ACL tears in college, and that. That kind of, it's limited to him to this point.
2: They did get Lagarde like Blunt back, though, so, you know, all's well that, that ends well for the, the Patriots.
1: <laughs> and Jonathan Cooper, who's just a random guard from, from the Cardinals who will probably turn into an all-pro at some point. Um, yeah, write him off. So, sure. <laughs> the... Uh,
2: well, obviously Blunt's going to score two hundred and fifty yards in uh, five touchdowns. Actually, yeah, but he'll do it all in one bloody game, and he'll do nothing the rest of the year.
1: But. We have the Garrett Blunt in this draft too, who we should probably talk about. Who's a, probably going to be a second round pick? That monster from Alabama, Derek Henry.
2: Oh yeah, I saw he's going to go in the middle of the second round. Somebody was saying,
1: yeah, but have you have you seen the picture of him? He's no. standing next to um, I think he's standing next to Eddie Lacy, and Eddie Lacey looks like he's four foot tall standing
2: next to him. Right,
1: this guy is just. Huge, he's like six foot four and 300 pounds as a running back, running faster than anyone else at the combine. It's it's terrifying.
2: Is this thin Eddie Lacey or fat Eddie Lacey?
1: This is thin Eddie Lacey, right? Okay, either way, Eddie Lacey's still what six foot six foot and 250 pounds or something.
2: Yeah, he's, he's slimmed down now over the uh over the summer, and apparently the, the Packers are. I feel... I, but the Packers are actually expected to take a running back because this is Lacey's last year of his rookie deal, and they're thinking, well, you know what, you've got some issues here. And we can't really yeah. trust you, so it's going to be interesting to see exactly what pans out. Just before we do leave the Patriots, there was a suggestion that all of their wide receivers have been effectively through the draft have been failures because the root tree is route tree is so difficult to learn that it's such a big difference between what they're doing in college and they get there and they're like, hang on a second, there's like twenty five thousand things to learn here. Uh, like, is it, you know is that true?
0: Yeah. I don't know, but like if you look at Aaron Dobson, was really highly thought of, wasn't he? Keane? and he has had zero impact with the patriots and there's been a good few like that over the years
1: it's not even just rookies look at chad johnson when he went there he couldn't figure that out either and the problem is you basically the way the the simplest way to explain it is the quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage the receiver lines up in his spot the quarterback reads the coverage and the wide receiver has to read the coverage as well and figure out the the right route and for the offense to work and that's why these guys are always open for the offense to work the both of them have to read the same thing so if they read the same thing Brady knows where his receiver is going to be and he can find him and it's easy and, and they'll pick him up. So if you look at this draft, the guy who went first is Corey Coleman. And Corey Coleman played in an offense in college where he ran, I think, three routes and he didn't actually have to read the coverage at all. He basically had to run to a spot on it on every play, and if there was even if the if the player was designed to go to the other side of the field, he could just stand there and do nothing. So you're kind of asking a guy to, who's a phenomenal talent to go from doing none of this stuff to trying to figure it all out in one year and even over two or three years it's still going to be tough to do so you can understand why they wouldn't have any interest in that. but they don't really need a receiver anyway because they, they traded for Martellus Bennett oh yeah the tight end
0: but actually that, that and you obviously you've got Gronk and, and Edelman and everything but if you that's actually an interesting point because Edelman is someone that you wouldn't think too much of on the stat sheet you know but if you just look at it, it like because they do that and they do it differently than everybody else, does that does that make somebody who's on the same page as Brady invaluable. a much better yeah. like yeah. is Julian Edelman gonna be as good if he goes somewhere else no. and plays with a different quarterback? Probably not.
1: It's not so much about playing with a different quarterback about being able to execute that scheme. But the thing you have to I have to note as well, Edelman was like a I think a seventh rounder or he's undrafted. Either way he wasn't a priority guy. But he wasn't even a wide receiver in college. He was a quarterback. So he knows how to read coverages. Yeah. So, so it, it's less important mm-hmm. for him to be able to beat a guy at the catch point. Edelman, we shouldn't really undersell Edelman because he's actually a really good receiver too. Yeah. But this, it's just this element of their offense. It's the same for Wes Welker. You can do it with Peyton Manning. You can do it with Aaron Rodgers. You can do it with all these guys. It's just difficult to execute.
2: Well, I I'm I
0: glad aware. that we got to talk about the Patriots for 10 minutes even though they weren't even in the first round anyway it's the usual stuff that, that'll all be left behind now when I'm not here anymore I wanted to talk about two more quick things one was the Giants uh, picking a guy just because his name was Apple which is good so we Eli can call him the big Apple oh, yeah Eli as well um, and lastly we've lost one of the great Promoters, one of the great Hawks uh, company men in uh, the NFL history, and Peyton Manning, there'll be no more Papa John's and stuff like that. So Jared Goff decides he's going to take up the mantle straight away. Five tweets last night, all... Promoting different products, he promoted Red Bull, Pantene, Microsoft Band, Gillette, and Tide in five different tweets during the draft. So shit. he knows his game already. Like, yeah, you know, he was a student athlete for far too long. They're
2: not little brands either. No. that's like straight up to the blue chip companies. He's ready to go. Well, Captain Hollywood, right? That's what that's. He's gone straight to Hollywood. He's going to live there. It's going to be. It must be very hard to be like this broke, but going to be rich student athlete, and then suddenly incredibly wealthy and immediately very famous in LA yeah he's there going into the guy, movies
1: there was one guy who spent 48,000 dollars on uh, stuff he was going to wear just for the draft so that's kind of the thing <laughs> that's some big release after three years of college
2: they're going to be okay aren't they Sorry, there was, that a- was that was Ezekiel Elliott was it I think
1: I'm not sure who it was he, yeah. he had that ridiculous shirt where it that shirt
2: off- and those those trousers put, put on a put on a pair of jocks I don't need to say that. <laughs> the
0: thing about Eli Apple was another thing. Is just is probably a very good example of people looking. I, I think it was Apple. I could be wrong about which one it was. Of people looking a little bit, the scouts really, you know, justifying their job a little bit. There was a report that he uh, can't look after himself and can't cook. Despite the fact that that his, I think it might have been him. I could be wrong, but despite the fact that um, his father is a um, five star chef, chef, yeah, and he can actually cook quite well, but um, yeah, things that really don't need to be on um, draft reports is probably what we should talk about sometime.
2: Yeah, so seven months of work goes into the draft, and you're supposed to stick to your draft board, and yet a video emerges which is only backing up stuff you already knew, and suddenly everybody's worried about this generational talent it does suggest that there's still a lot of paranoia and stupidity in the draft rooms when it comes to being on the clock, Ian.
1: Well, getting a job in the NFL is kind of, it's difficult to do. It's difficult to get into, but that doesn't mean you have to be great at what you do to do it. The reason it's difficult to do is people tend to hire guys that they know because there's a lot of nepotism in there and you're not well paid. So everyone who's out in the media who gets asked, why don't you work for a team? Bet you couldn't get a job for a team. Most of them don't work for teams because they get much better salaries, much better job security, and much better hours working for the media. So you end up with a lot of poorly run teams, and that's just the simplest way to put it. That's why you can get teams like the Patriots, teams like the Ravens, and teams like, well, maybe this New Browns regime, but you can get teams who can consistently be better better run than others because you, just, you, you aren't getting the best of the best into these companies all the time. But if you are asking about uh, last minute changes, that's something we can touch on with the Giants because the Giants didn't hide who their top two picks were their top two picks were Jack Conklin and Leonard Floyd and because they were so public about it and so happy to let everyone know two teams traded ahead of them to take their two players <laughs> so then they they were there stuck at the last minute scrambling to try and pick who they, who they needed and I, to be honest I, I would question if they actually really wanted Eli Apple, it sounds like kind of a panic move because he doesn't really obviously fit into their team and he wasn't even the best cornerback in my opinion he wasn't the best cornerback available but the majority of people would have said the best cornerbacks available were Vernon Hargreaves or William Jackson and neither of them were the pick it was Eli Apple the guy who his his main selling point is he's a good athlete and he's really young he's like 20 but he can't really find the ball so he's going he's not going to be an impact player early on and they're another team with an old quarterback who kind of needs to win now
2: yeah
0: Sorry, no, I was just going to say, if we are fishing up, I was going to say the best health warning I've ever heard for a draft before we kind of make too many assumptions here is there was a brilliant ad going around last year of Steph Curry um, reading out his draft report as the current MVP and and, uh, NBA champion and stuff like that. And he was being, the things that were being said about him were just so ridiculous by these old men. Who sit on the side of the court and write in pencils and notepads and having a clue what they're talking about? Yeah, that's the greatest to... shooter that ever played the game of basketball was say? dismissed yeah. by by various people, various scouts. Maybe
2: it was that dismissal that yeah, spurred well, them on I mean, to prove he, them wrong. He,
0: he's reading the actual report. It's a brilliant ad that you should uh, check out. And obviously, it's a different sport, but I think there's a lot of that kind of going on.
2: Uh, Kim more stuff from you on pre-snap reads, I presume
1: well pre that reason Football Outsiders probably that's where we're going to be for most of the off season
2: alright good stuff uh, that's Keen Fahey that's Mitt McCarthy Thanks, good stuff that's our uh, NFL draft day one review and preview of the rest of it and we won't see it for a while but we will be back in some form soon